Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. I find Hover with the pencil and trackpad on iPad very interesting because it actually helps with discoverability. Because I, I, I mentioned, say, in the timeline screen, on a subtitle card, we have the start and end buttons uh, for the start and end time. But we know uh, from our users, on, on iPhone at least, a lot of people don't realize that that's a button. Uh, whereas on iPad, it's very obvious because if you move over it, it lifts up. Um, but then also we, um, we amended the timeline. So when you see the subtitle cards and you move the cursor or the pencil over the words to split subtitles, it shows you exactly which word will be split. And it puts a little cursor there to show you uh, that it will split before that word. Um, so it's very, very clear how it works. Uh, you know, we, I know, I'm sure we have a few people come into this view and despite the instruction text we have at the top, they press play on a video and they're tapping words and it's splitting and doing all kinds of stuff. They don't understand what's going on. Um, it's one of the, the challenges. So it's great for discoverability. Welcome back to another episode of Apple Pros. In this episode, we are joined by Mark Palmer, the developer behind Captionista, and you'll also see his work in the awesome Concepts app where he is the iOS UI developer. In this discussion, we discuss how he uses Swift Playgrounds, some of his favorite iPad apps, including IA Writer, Working Copy, Notion, LumaFusion, Final Cut Pro, GarageBand, and Logic Pro. We touch on his work at Concepts and dive deep into his awesome captioning app, Captionista, that just hit version 1.5. As a reminder, you can support this podcast over at patreon.com slash iPadPros, or by subscribing in Apple Podcasts. By supporting this podcast, you'll also be supporting my new podcast, Vision Pros, and also get early access to episodes for that show with your support either on Patreon or Apple Podcasts. My great thanks to everyone that does support the podcast. It means a great deal and is greatly appreciated. Learn more about my new podcast, Vision Pros, at www.visionpros.fm. With that said, here's my discussion with Mark. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Hi, Tim. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a thrill to have you on. I've wanted to chat with you for a bit here. So uh, for those that don't know who you are, can you introduce yourself, your background, and who you are? Sure. Of course I can. Um, I uh, started programming when I was about 11 years old, which is a long time ago now in the mid eighties yeah. um, on the, uh, <laughs> the old computers that couldn't do very much. Um, and then I did a bunch of DOS and windows programming, ended up doing web and Java stuff. And then come, uh, yeah, iPhone time, I started getting interested in objective C thought that was going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. I had done, I had done some, uh, mobile Java, sorry. Uh, yeah. Mobile phone games for Java, um, with Java previously. Um, so I had a bit of experience in mobile and knew how difficult it was. Yeah. Um, and, and it, it looked so much more interesting on the iPhone. Yeah. Um, so I, I sniffed around that for a long time, but Objective C was really weird and, <laughs> and, 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 and difficult to justify spending a lot of time on. Um, but then eventually in 2013, uh, I got my first app out and got my first paid iOS gig. Uh, and then I've been consulting iOS since then very cool um and um 
also, I mean, various family and friends and, and jobs along the way have been on the fringes of music and video stuff. Um, and so that's kind of influenced me a lot, um, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of coming to Apple uh, and the design ethos and these kind of more interesting, more um, tactile applications. You know, you yeah. can hold them in your hand and experience them viscerally uh, rather than making websites for soft drink brands, right? things like yeah. that. What was that first app in 2013? Oh, um, that was uh, Soundproof, uh, a music practice app. So it was uh, just a looping music video player, basically, um, with some nice custom UI elements. Um, but then uh, <laughs> then Apple Music came around <laughs> a little bit <laughs> later, and it was, it was already too difficult to get tracks that you uh, out of the library. You know, the DRM stuff made it yeah. difficult, and so... And a few apps made it, found a way around that, um, but uh, it keeps breaking, I think. So, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I knocked that one on the head. I didn't have time to do it anymore. It was mainly to help my daughter who was learning to play cello at the time, and I was frustrated that there was no decent app for setting start and end points in a song yeah. and looping them, basically. Yeah. Yeah. The, the music app scene is just fascinating. If I was going through school now, just such a different experience with all the tools we have. And we're buying like these hundred dollar like metronomes and like tuners yeah. and stuff, and now you can just use your phone. And there, it's good experience yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Every, and every music app has a tuner in it. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> as well. Yeah, um, yeah it's amazing. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know if you tried Logic Pro uh, on the iPad. Now that's pretty impressive. Yeah, well, we'll have to chat about that in a bit. I know that's on the list of apps yeah. that you are diving into. Um, yeah. Uh, what is your current iPad setup these days? My iPad setup is quite interesting because my day job involves uh, de- developing for Concepts, the sketching mm-hmm. app. Uh, so I'm doing a lot of testing on iPads. So yeah. my desk has three iPads on it. Uh, I have a 2021 M1 iPad Pro 12.9 inch as my primary device. And I put all of my beaters on that and use it as my main personal iPad. Mm-hmm. I have uh, a 2020 12.9 inch iPad Pro, um, and that I use as my uh, my main testing device. So I have the latest stable iOS on that. 12.9 or uh, 11 for that one? Uh, sorry, so 12.9 as well. Okay. Yeah, yep. I mean it's the previous generation. I always have to get the latest one for testing sure. anyway. Yeah. Um, so I roll them over. So then okay. I have the previous gen. Uh, although I didn't, I don't have an M2 yet, so I, I'm not okay. that up to date. Um, but yeah, so I have my 2020, which was the first one with LiDAR. Um, I have that one. Uh, and then I have an old, I think, is it 10.7 iPad Pro? The one that still had the home button. 10.5. It was, is it 10.5? Okay, yeah. That's it was my the weird favorite one. home button to iPad. That thing was <laughs> great. Uh, super thin side bezels. Just yep. delight to hold yeah. and use. It was, yeah, it was a, a strange outlier in, the, in the range. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it was priced really, really good as well yeah, at the time. I love that thing. Uh, but yeah, so that's one of my daughter's uh, old, old devices. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I've got that for my previous gen uh, OS testing. Yeah. So and you can try like the original Apple it, Pencil yeah. with that one, and yeah, yeah, exactly. So I've got fifteen, sixteen, and now seventeen beaters on three different devices. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and uh, Magic Keyboard with your main iPad, or what do you use with that? Lucky guess. Yes, that is correct. Yep. I have the uh, Magic Keyboard uh, on that. And obviously, I switch it over sometimes to the uh, the other 
the older iPad if I need to do some mm-hmm. testing there. Doing things with keyboard shortcuts and trackpad, you know. Yeah. And uh, have you tried hooking up to external displays? Is that something you've messed around with at all? A, a little bit, not very much. Um, it's nice. Uh, I don't have enough extra external displays to yeah. <laughs> take it away from my Mac. Um, but yeah, occasionally we have to test things, uh, especially in the uh, in in concepts, uh, which has a special preview mode for external screens. Oh, nice. And your current Mac setup, is it a desktop or laptop? What are you using there? Uh, yep. It's a MacBook Pro uh, M1 uh, with all the RAM, but not... Uh, but not fully spec CPU wise, okay. uh, and uh, and a crusty old horrible uh, LG 5K <laughs> <laughs> display. The the first gen, it, it works well, but yeah. it's um, well, it works. Yeah, it's got <laughs> five of the case. So yeah, um, and what's your kind of um, current relationship to the iPad? Um, is it uh, a companion to your Mac? Do you do, test out code within Swift Playgrounds? Like, what's what, what do you use the iPad for outside of testing concepts and captionista? Really, I, I, I use it as a reference uh, device. You know, I use the uh, Apple developer app a lot for WWDC sessions. There's so many of those to uh, read all the time and, and watch. Um, I do use Playgrounds quite a lot to make little scratch pad things to prove mm-hmm. out new bits of code or try out new APIs. That's super useful. Um, books, I use a lot. I do uh, notes and planning in Notion quite a lot um, for work and personal things. Uh, so, yeah, it's some of those things I, I use the Mac for as well. You know, and obviously with iCloud, the sync between them makes yeah. it, makes it, it, it removes the concern about which one I'm using, which is great. You know, yeah, it's uh, best, best of all worlds. But the uh, the iPad sometimes comes into the bedroom. The MacBook doesn't. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That sounds a bit wrong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what, what I mean by that is, you know, I can I can I can sit I can sit in bed at night with the iPad and hack something out in Playgrounds, whereas mm-hmm. I wouldn't do that with a MacBook. Gotcha. Yeah. And will you take stuff that you're testing in Playgrounds and throw that in Xcode later on? Uh, I don't do that too often. Okay. Um, made the, the X, uh, the, it's funny on the Mac, isn't it? The, there's the Playgrounds app, which is separate from Xcode, yeah. which also supports Playgrounds. And it's all just, it feels a bit clunky and fiddly. So I tend to just work something out and I might copy and paste some code over okay. uh, into, into Xcode yeah. once I've, I've done that work. Um, I, I have to say, I do I do enjoy Swift Playgrounds, but the text editing in it drives me crazy. Yeah, it's 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 terrible compared to the Xcode okay. text editor. Okay. Yeah. Are well, you using for, the for um, what, uh, yeah. the beta of Swift Playgrounds? I understand there's one for um, I was 17 this year. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah, I saw that as well just the other day. Uh, I haven't inst- had time to install that yet. Okay. No. Yeah. Um. So the developer app, uh, you use this on the iPad. Is it mainly you're watching like the videos from WWDC on the iPad and then kind of working on the Mac as you're watching? Yes, that's it, almost exactly what happens. You know, sometimes I might split view or picture in picture on the iPad and then bring up playgrounds to try yeah. things out. Um, but generally, yes, I'd, I mean, those thing, those new videos they make are excellent. They're, 
you know they're pretty pretty short if if listeners have not uh, experienced them they are developer centric but um they're a lot shorter than the old sessions that apple used to do but they're pretty dense sometimes mm. and rapid yeah <laughs> and there's a lot there's a, a lot to pick up on and you have to rewatch a lot sometimes um with the so code yeah, snippets is that as a is that done as like a bonus feature within the actual um video or will you like screenshot or pause the video and use the new feature with an iOS to copy code right out of the video or photo? Uh, I can't remember if I've done that, but you're, you're right in what you highlight in that the, the code snippets that are inside the app aren't very accessible, you know, uh, when you're actually watching the video. And yeah. the, there's, quite, there's quite a bit of clunkiness around there. It would be nice to see some improvements there. But yeah, I mean, live text would be, would be great for that. I hadn't thought of that. It's a good yeah. idea. Yeah. And then... Um, IA Writer uh, is next up on your list here. Um, what uh, what uses do you have here? Um, is it outside of Etzel code work? Or are you doing other writing? Yeah, I mean, all of my writing starts in Markdown. Uh, you know, blog posts, uh, mm-hmm. marketing content for Captionista, um, technical documents for the day job as well. You know, all that kind of thing always starts in Markdown and IA, IA Writer. I've been using it for years. Um, I, I love their products and their design. Um, and I, I don't know if you've seen the, uh, or played with IA Presenter. Um, no. That, oh. <laughs> yeah. If it, thing is, I wish I gave presentations because then I could use it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, funny. There are any... apps that are like, I wish I had a, a use of this because it's such a nice app. Yeah. Well, I, I was a big fan of the Mac app deck set. I don't know if you ever saw that. Yeah. That's a, you know, you write some markdown and uh, it creates uh, presentation slides from it and you don't have to worry about the styling. It's all template based. And IA Presenter is that uh, gone crazy. It's yeah. amazing. It's so good. And it's supported on iPad as well. So that's really cool. It's, it's very nice. Um, but yeah, their, their products are fantastic. Uh, but yeah, IA Writer is where. I, I use IA Writer like a lot of people would use drafts. Mm, yeah. Gotcha. Basically. Yeah. And then working copy, um, what's, um, that, is that for kind of website stuff? or uh, Sort of. It's a, it's a Git client. So yep. being an engineer, I use Git all the time to, for versioning uh, uh, source files. Um, and for, on the captionista front, the code is all in Git. The website is generated from Git. Okay. Um, so, uh, working copy allows me to access those files on my iPhone or iPad, wherever I am. Uh, and I can make little tweaks. I don't make tweaks to code, uh, to captionista code on it, really. I might check something if I'm thinking about something late at night yeah. and I want to uh, see what the code actually does. Um, but, uh, the website, for example, is built from Jekyll. Uh, mm-hmm. So I can just modify a file on working copy, push the change to Git. My host, which is called Cloud Cannon, pulls from Git whenever there's a change, mm. regenerates the site with Jekyll, and it's all published through a CDN. And I, all I did was make an edit on the iPad and press push. And it's working amazing. copy, does it give you a preview of the web page, or is that all just hoping for the best? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, uh, yeah it, do- it doesn't give me a preview. It is hoping for the best. Okay. But, uh, uh, but I have been doing web stuff for a long time. Yeah. And, 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 and Jekyll is, uh, you know, I'm almost all the time just editing Markdown. It's yeah. just typos and, and is there bad links. Is there a good way know? to, like, you know, 
test out web page code on the iPad, a good app to like you, you want to do that and then push it to working copy. I, uh, I, I think there are quite a few, um, for, yeah, uh, writing or editing and previewing websites, but I don't know that there are any that have Git integration. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, you're, you're asking about something like, um, uh, what is now called Nova by Panic on the Mac. That's right. Yeah. You've seen, yeah. Yeah. Coda used you, to be a thing. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Coda, they, they sold the name and then changed it into Nova. That's right. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and yeah, I mean, I always had Coda, but never really needed it. Um, obviously, being a Panic fan, I uh, mm-hmm. was interested in what they were doing. Um, but Nova that is uh, as a Mac app that I use a lot um, as well. So that, I'm pretty sure there are quite a few out there off the iPad. Okay. And then with Git, um, does Xcode directly integrate with that? Or are you having the copy between Xcode and Git? Or uh, No, yeah, Xcode supports uh, Git directly, but I don't actually use that. I use a Mac app called Tower. Okay. Uh, which is a very good, a very good Git client, um, but it's um, it's kind of an implementation detail, really. It's just working copy is, I think, the only way to get uh, Git access on iPad. It's fantastic, and it has great uh, file tap integration with the file provider yeah. APIs. Uh, Anders, who makes it, has uh, gone way beyond what most companies do with their file integration. Yeah. It's really good. That's cool. And then Notion. Um, this is the uh, text Notion, not the music Notion app uh, that I had an interview with <laughs> yes. uh, briefly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, so yes. Uh, and Notion is a web-based service for uh, note-taking and ad hoc databases, really. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've used it. Um, yeah, I've dabbled in it. I, uh, nothing in it has really um, hooked me quite yet. Um, yeah, it, it takes. Well, it took me a little while to understand what on earth was going on. Yeah, I know. I think I know. I know too much about databases. Yeah, <laughs> and you think this can't be working? How does you know? Yeah, <laughs> surely it won't do that. That won't work, will it? Um, but once you understand what you can and can't do, um, it's actually very powerful. But I mean, it, it is a web service, and the Mac app and the iPad app are really just wrappers around. Yeah, and that's clear when you use it, thing. Um, which is yeah. fine for yeah for the utility it provides you know yeah yeah i mean it's uh, it's it's pretty well done um it is a bit disappointing you know i don't like web apps i like native apps yeah uh, and you re- you really feel it in notion with the text editing which is pretty dreadful um yeah <laughs> you know you just, trying trying to select text and all the normal things it just behaves strangely and it's a really hard problem for them to solve with a web-based editor yeah and what kind of data do you end up putting in there Oh, well, yeah, it's interesting. I, I only recently adopted it um, personally in the last few months. But the Captionista uh, have uh, like a, a table in there of the releases that are, you know, uh, have been released and are forthcoming and in progress. And I have a media list there to contact, um, you know, people like you to get in touch mm-hmm. with when there's a new release. Uh, and tracking who I have contacted, what status that is, a little, kind of mini CRM. Um, yeah. Yeah, mini CRM. Um and also I have the, yeah, the content calendar. That's one of the templates they have. So you can set up uh, like a, can, a Kanban board or a Trello style board. Mm-hmm. We create cards for all the different bits of social media or marketing content you want to create, track the status, put them in review, attach images that you're going to put into posts, all that kind of thing. It's been uh, really useful for that. Very cool. And then um, this is the 
the, the fun set of apps, I would say. Or they're all fun, as, as they would say in the talk show. Everything's fun. But um, <laughs> the media apps, uh, LumaFusion is the first one here. And there's yeah. also Final Cut Pro. So I'm kind of curious um, when LumaFusion is the right answer versus now Final Cut Pro, which is also on iPad, which um, they're similar, yeah. but very different apps. Yeah, it's a um, very interesting question. I will say from the outset, I am not a video professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, you I, use it primarily my, for marketing of Captionista. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, part part of the thing with Captionista being a, an app for uh, subtitling and captioning social videos, I need to walk the walk. Yeah, <laughs> and and and, um, uh, and social videos are really the main way to market stuff these days. Yeah. So you, you've got you've got to do it. Um, and uh, yeah, so I started using LumaFusion at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was uh, it's it's pretty great. Um, I personally struggle a little bit with the f- with how far they've gone from native iOS UI. Okay, uh, yeah, in it um, because it feels like you have to learn every little nuance of, of the interface. Yeah, um, my one challenge I always have with LumaFusion, I use it uh, for the YouTube version, which is just a thumbnail to have on YouTube with the audio. Yeah, is when I uh, send an image in the LumaFusion. I have a hard time finding that file I just send in there. So sometimes I'll end up with three or four of the same image in there. Because <laughs> eventually it will highlight it and show you where the file you imported is. But it doesn't always yeah. do that. So sometimes <laughs> send that artwork in there yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. And there's some things took me a really long time to work out. But pretty much everything I ever Im- imagined I needed to do with it, it could do once I found it out. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which was very impressive. It's a it's a super impressive app from a technical perspective. But yeah, multi cams in I, there, I, which is even more. Yeah, I think more powerful than Final Cut Pro because I think it lets you do more um, angles and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, I haven't played with that much, but the um, but it's you know back to that, my 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 gripe about the custom UI stuff is yeah. The ex, ex, similar to you, I think, is going to export and save. It's very confusing. And then you press, essentially end up pressing the same button three times, I think. Sure. And different menus pop up <laughs> at each yep. stage. Thinking, when is it actually going to export? What's happening? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's quite frustrating. Um, uh, but then contrasting that with the uh, Final Cut Pro, which, of course, is very new. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to try that. You know, I'm interested in the video workflows as well. Yeah. So, you know, for my users, what video apps they're going to use uh, at the more professional end of it. Uh, yeah. You know, other, um, other users won't do any of this. They'll just record something and then put some titles on it. Right. Um, but yeah, but if you're actually doing edits in, in Final Cut Pro or LumaFusion, it's important to see how, how, how they can fit together in a workflow and uh, what pitfalls there might be mm-hmm. and the strengths of the different apps. So Final Cut Pro's release was interesting, and I used that for all of the 1.5 uh, release videos yeah. rather than LumaFusion, mm-hmm. just to dog food it. Yeah. And for simple edits, it's been really good. I really like what they've done. It's all very familiar controls because it's Apple. Um, the, but then, again, quite a few things. I had to dig around a lot to find out how to how to do them mm-hmm. uh had problems with the hdr levels of text coming out wrong and things uh, like that yeah um but it but it's great the settings there because those kinds of things yeah. <laughs> are, are not in every app um hdr is actually quite challenging for us too um but um but then of course i also look at what's it like to put text over a video in, in final cut pro yeah for them and, uh, for uh, you to uh, natively do <laughs> captioning within those apps right? yeah and uh walked away quite slowly from that 
it's uh, fine if you want to put you know a word or two on on a video, but I, I wouldn't recommend subtitling a video in that. Yeah. Even 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 if I didn't make captions there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's surprising how how little time is given to that kind of UI. Yeah, it's curious, and I'm, I'm wondering if they'll improve that going forward. It seems like one of those features that they might uh, have a look at. Yeah, I'm, they probably they might completely short circuit it. I mean, there's a there's a difference, isn't there, between uh, subtitling or captioning and titling. Uh, right. Yeah, titling is completely different. You have like you know um, the yeah. opening of Star Wars, where it has that you know scrolling thing. Yeah. that's that's not subtitling. And then there's also. I believe you can export videos with subtitle like metadata where video apps could yeah. then display that, but it's not hard coded into like the video that you're seeing. And that's a whole different thing. Is that right? Yeah, it is. Uh, this is, I don't understand really how they came up with these names in the industry. Um, but obviously I had to research it. Yeah. Um, closed captioning is captioning information that is in the video or alongside it uh the separate file um, yeah that's the thing the point, i'm like apple it, tv you can turn yeah. it on and off and i'm constantly yeah, turning exactly. it off because i yeah i don't like to read my my movies but other people don't really yeah. do <laughs> yeah so um so yeah closed captions you can turn on and off uh and they they are also uh, a better solution for accessibility right because accessibility users can tailor how they are displayed yeah um, whereas open captions, it's actually rendered into the video. You can't turn it off. Right. And, and that's not quite as good for uh, accessibility, depending on the style you choose. Yeah. Um, and you do get to pick uh, the style. It's more of a visual, like TikTok especially, this is like part of the, a, yeah. the metaphor of that platform. <laughs> yes, exactly. And and it becomes part of marketing and your branding image as well. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah. We're getting ahead of ourselves a little yeah. bit here, but in, in Captionista, this is—it's a whole fascinating subject. There's different usages, uh, usages and terms for this stuff. Yeah. Um, and the other thing with Final Cut Pro is, um, I don't think you can resize the window. It's one of those old school iPad apps that uh, not awesome external displays because it's just uh, the standard iPad size oh, no. and doesn't work with split oh, screen really? and split view. It's you know, wow. it's one of those old apps. I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine they've probably been working on it for a really long time. I think so. It's been hard. Yes. <laughs> so hopefully the next update uh, or version two will have a full external monitor, uh, you know, yeah. support where um, it feels like right now it's it's meant for working on the go on the iPad and you use the Mac when you get back to the office. But I hope yeah. it gets there. I, I strongly suspect that that team is really pumped that they got to 1.0 and now they're going to be yes. going hard on uh, on improving it. They'll be painfully aware of all the limitations. Yes, for sure. Um, and then GarageBand and Logic Pro. Um, so I've actually not done my free trial yet of Logic Pro. I need to. I want to at some point. But um, it is all about music on iPad. There is no podcasting um support at all fair rights you know where you do that on ipad but from yeah. what i understand for music and of things it's pretty awesome um yeah i mean I, i'm not a heavy logic pro user on the mac i've dabbled because my uh, daughter's a musician and i've had you know had to historically try to help her out with some things yeah um but uh but yeah i enjoyed it and i i, I downloaded it instantly and started uh, playing around it's 
it makes you want to play around with things. It's great. The the instruments yeah. they have in it are um, they've got a lot of stuff from Garage Band, and then brought that across, um, but improved them further. It's 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 quite amazing. It's it's a really good job, and they put a lot of work into the uh, in-app tutorial system mm-hmm. um, because. I never had the patience to learn how to use Logic for Mac because it's no. massive. <laughs> yeah. And so Logic on iPad, it's fairly intuitive. Like GarageBand seems like it's designed for it to be a toy box. Is it similar levels or is it a level beyond that with like being a bit confusing? Um, no, I, I would say it's quite similar. It doesn't feel like a toy like GarageBand. Yeah. Um, although... I'm sure that hardcore Mac Logic Pro users will say that, but it's it, it doesn't feel like a toy. It's uh, it's super powerful, and they've quite a. It, I mean, we do have a problem with, on iPad and iOS generally, don't we, with discoverability of features? Totally. You know? uh, and I have this with my own apps as well. Um, it's a balance between you know throwing tons of text to people to try to explain how things work, or yeah, letting on them Mac, you have discover. hover states where you can put stuff there like the mac discoverability you can click on stuff and you don't know if you can tap on everything versus yeah i don't know it's it's a bit different yeah yeah Uh, and um and of course because you're working always working to um you know a touch area a minimum size of about 44 points Mm -hmm. on the screen it if you imagine laying a 44 point grid over the ui yeah uh then you've only got so many options for where you can put things yeah, there's no menu um, bar, really, where on the Mac you can just search in the menu bar to find the menu item to, to like, oh, that's where that is. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but ironically, of course, if you have an app that has good keyboard shortcut support, you can have a menu bar, <laughs> press that key. Right there, yeah. yeah, or you pre- yeah, and it's, it's in there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, and again, going back to LumaFusion, they went for smaller UI elements to get a denser UI, mm-hmm. which is... You know, which is absolutely fine if you're using a pencil, for example. Yeah. Um, but it, um, yeah, it can be, it's, it's challenging. But I think they've done a pretty good job in uh, Logic Pro. Um, you should, I, I recommend anyone who's even part, has a passing interest in, in music has a play with it because there's, they have these interactive tutorials now and you can say, I want to learn how to do, um, uh, certain kind of edits or the yeah. score editor or something. And it'll start the tutorial with a little sample project in the in the actual app. They're not videos. And oh, it tells you cool. step by step what to do. It puts little hints up of what the next thing is to do and drags you through the, the process. Yeah. Um, uh, which is, yeah, I mean, that, that was amazing. That got me up to speed very quickly. So score editor, are there actual notes in there like you would with Sibelius and Finale? Or is it... Um What's scared me away from Logic has always been, um, it seems to be about performance versus I'm used to just having music notation where I'm writing what I want there. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to check that quickly yeah. because I can't, I can't remember because okay. I, did a bit of score ed- I did a bit of score editing recently on Logic for Mac uh, to try and troubleshoot something for my daughter. I'm pretty sure you can. Hold on. Okay. Uh, I've got, I just brought it up. I'm not sure I can get the score editor up. Um, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll reserve judgment. I can't remember. I think it was there. Okay. Um, but it might not. But yeah. the, the logic one, on, on the Mac at least, uh, is hard work. And it has, 
<laughs> could of course they have to approximate what's in the piano roll editor if you recorded something from MIDI. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And, and then you f- then you find that if you're lucky, you find that little setting that controls how it estimates it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a different. It's yeah, called, it's a different but, way of working for sure. Um, yeah. And then with Swift Playgrounds, um, so I'm not a developer, and I've always I've tried to use Swift Playgrounds to learn how to code it. I don't know if my mind's just not wired that way, but it, it seems like in your mind, is this an app that you could like go from nothing to like having your first basic app written or is other are other books and like research tools needed for you to learn how to get started with Swift and actually write your own app if you've never coded before? Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. That I, I suppose it depends if you've done any coding at all before, really. Yeah. Um, I think if you haven't, uh, they have those, but they've had them from the beginning, those basic tutorials. Yeah, those are a lot of fun. I can move the character yeah. on the screen. It's like, oh, I get this part. Yeah. That, you know, at yeah, some point, it loses me. Yeah. yeah, and it, kind of the dirty secret of making uh, uh, native iOS apps is there's a ton of stuff to think about. And it's... Uh, and they've done a great job with the new swift ui stuff and uh, what they call the uh, swift ui app life cycle so that i think that uh, was required before they enabled you to, to actually build apps on playgrounds which mm-hmm. you can do now uh, i think last year or the yeah. year before that happened um and that's amazing um so you can you can get pretty far but i think you're going to be making basic apps right at that point, uh, yeah. which can be incredibly fulfilling, but mm-hmm. know, for example, I could never, I could never have made Caption Easter in that. No, in that, I in think that subscriptions are not allowed through playgrounds, like as like just business model. Yeah, wise, I think I you're think, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that that would not be a very small reason why I can. <laughs> it's very small. It. A lot more it's, to it yeah. than why you can't do it. Yeah, there. yeah. I mean, there's you know, there's hundreds of source files and managing that uh, in that interface is going to be painful okay. yeah um uh and objective c uh which isn't supported i don't don't have much yeah just little bits but a little bit yeah 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 it's interesting yeah the, yeah i know there's people learning how to code all the time and like it, i don't know in retrospect it seems like oh it's been so much easier to start in 2008 when everything was just so basic i don't know if that's true or not because it was probably hard back then well, too <sighs> Yeah, you know, I it, it was su- it was super hard back then, mainly because Objective C was such a strange language. Yeah, and Apple Apple's APIs and their their frameworks that they provide are really great. There's something to behold mm-hmm. uh, in terms of API design. I've always admired them, uh, but uh, they do them in very different ways sometimes to the rest of the world. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if you've been learning languages like Python and Java and, and seeing how those things work and the way people make frameworks, uh, there's often a, a, a slightly different way of thinking about the abstract things in Apple platforms, which mm-hmm. is what makes them great in yeah. my view. Um, uh, so you, st- you still have that learning curve, but now with the Swift UI stuff, they've made it much, much simpler. You can get really far. Okay. Um, it, it it is amazing, but uh, the, what I'm saying about uh, say captionista uh, or apps of this complexity, um, they may look quite small on the surface, but there's a lot going on. There's uh, a lot of text manipulation uh, stuff that's hard mm-hmm. to get right. Uh, yeah, uh, there's, yeah, there's there's a lot multi-threading okay. concerns, performance. Yeah, once you know you can you can make an app, but can you make an app that doesn't jitter and uh, uh, yeah. 
you know, and, and run out of memory. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Memory on the iPad is so, so weird. <laughs> I've got the 16 gigabytes and, and I can only have these four apps open and it's weird. It seems like they yeah. should work on that. But one app can use about 14 gigabytes. We can. I think LumaFusion is one of those apps yeah. that asks for that and gets it. Yeah. Yeah. We do that in uh, concepts too. Oh, you do. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. In the day job. Yeah. Uh, With concepts, yeah, um, do you have a personal use of it uh, for kind of day-to-day stuff or is it mainly testing um, the app and whatnot? Um, it, it's mainly testing. I do some uh, diagramming uh, and you know, uh, I use it like a piece of paper, mm-hmm. you know, to sketch, sketch things out, try to solve problems visually. Uh, but I am, uh, I'm set back significantly by being very, very bad at drawing and writing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am challenged severely in that way, uh, in a way that people don't quite believe it when I say it. Um, <laughs> but if I then try to draw anything, you soon find out. Cool it's, stick uh, figures it's a problem. and stuff. Yeah. Well, even trying to get decent boxes and my handwriting is just never, yeah. never worked. So I used on the Mac, I used to use OmniGraphle a lot. <laughs> yeah. Cause it'll like fix your circles and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or you start, you start you, uh, on the Mac at least, you know, well, in fact, no, I used OmniGraphle on the iPad a lot as well in the past, but just starting with the rectangle tool saves a whole lot of pain for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as far as concepts, anything else worth mentioning before we move on? Um, yeah, well, uh, Concepts is a fantastic sketching app uh, yeah. uh, and for uh, note-taking with an infinite canvas, and uh, that's that's my day job. I've worked for them for several years now. And you do uh, the user interface, or what's your role there? Y- yeah, I'm I'm one of the uh, iOS engineers, so um, I'm, Concepts is a cross-platform product now. It has supports Windows, Android, and iOS. Mm-hmm. Um and so I work on the iOS UI, uh, and the last couple of years I've been focusing on the gallery and the file system integration okay. as we work on the process towards iCloud support, which yeah. is on our roadmap and coming okay. soon. Uh, so yeah, lots and lots to do in performance work and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, um, iOS and iPad, I presume. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. any weird challenges like uh, expanding to iPad or scaling down to iPhone is is iPad the starting point or do you start with the phone and scale up from there uh, for concepts where uh, it's it's iPad centric really I mean we support the iPhone but there's we we'd like to we'd like to do a lot more there but, yeah. Uh, yeah it seems like iPad with pencil is just such a natural fit with that app and the phone seems like it would be mainly for viewing stuff I would imagine for most people Yes, uh, yes, and it, it is it is puzzling that Apple hasn't really done anything with a, a pointing device on the phone or a, you know pencil. Yeah, a little mini mini pencil for the, the iPhone Max, you know. <laughs> yeah, because the uh, Samsung uh, was it Galaxy Note product oh, from yeah. years back is that's super popular in oh, certain yeah. uh, markets. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm not sure what Apple are thinking there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's like get an iPad if you want your your pencil. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um, and then uh, so Captionista, um, we're gonna discuss it in depth in a bit here. But um, anything worth mentioning here as far as kind of the apps on your iPad that you're using? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, uh, circling back to what we were saying earlier, uh, 
I've been using this LumaFusion or Final Cut Pro through to Captionista workflow to do all the marketing videos for that mm-hmm. and then um, upload them individually to the different social networks because this doesn't seem to be a great solution yet for <laughs> cross-posting. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Mac, uh, I think Final Cut had yeah. this like tool um, that would do all the uploading to different places. I, I I don't even know if that's still a thing or not. Mm. Yeah. I don't know, but Elga- you know, oh, Elgato such- also Elgato on the Mac oh. had this awesome tool. You bought this like USB encoder thing, um, and it did all the uploading from that. But that's such a long, uh, archaic product since Macs are so much faster at exporting. Yeah, and then you know you get the network operators changing their APIs, or you know there aren't official APIs, and then things stop working. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there is a TikTok API yet okay. for up, uploading. I may be wrong, um, but I don't think there was last time I checked. And so people uh, like the scheduling app Buffer, they have patchy support for some of these networks or huh. their limitations. You know, yeah. you have to finish off the process in the app, for example. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. So. Before we move on, I just want to ask, is there anything about the iPad in particular that you kind of love about it different, you know, what separates it from the Mac for you and um, kind of, yeah. well, what about the iPad do you love? Yeah, I love the simplicity. Um, I have quite a lot of uh, heated discussions with people who love Macs uh, uh, and, you know, I understand for a lot of people, macOS is super important um, and it's almost part of their identity. Yeah. And uh, I, I, like you, I think I've been using uh, macOS since about 2005, 2006, which probably makes me a Mac baby, really. Right, yeah. <laughs> we're we're so, Intel, so, uh, Intel people. Yeah, yes. yeah we, the we Intel, Intel uh, generation. Yeah. Um, but I, I wouldn't be upset if macOS went away. Yeah, <laughs> it, if, if, the, if, if Xcode somehow made its way to iPad OS yeah. and Vision OS or whatever. Yes, it's like yeah. I mean, if we were left with the uh, Swift Playgrounds editor to write our apps, that would be a problem. Yes, not um, quite there yet. But uh, and I'm also not really someone who wants Xcode for Mac on the iPad, and I don't want to run Mac OS on an iPad. Yeah, but I've, there must be some middle ground. Yeah, the, I mean, I've always thought Swift Playgrounds will eventually get better and evolve to be Xcode light or the next generation of Xcode, kind of like we have Final Cut Pro 10. They eventually, yeah. you know, eventually got all the tools they needed from Final Cut Pro 7. Yeah, I don't know if Apple's long goal is Swift Playgrounds yeah. becomes the new Xcode with all the features you actually need at some point. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't. No, I don't know. I, know. I I think not, but it doesn't mean that there won't be some kind of Xcode thing Xcode for iPad. iPad. Yeah. Yeah. And I, mean, I, I think, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, they're clearly moving towards greater simplicity on macOS, and maybe somehow that will grease the wheels of bringing something like Xcode over to iPad. Yeah. Um, Envision Pro, but, is, you know, to me, feels like a desktop computing environment anywhere you are. And using iPad apps as a foundational point gives me hope that, uh, you know, Vision OS first apps would also come to iPad and maybe they're more powerful because of, you know, this Vision OS thing that's coming around. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's pretty interesting, isn't it, that while you can 
magically take the screen of a Mac and put it into Vision OS. You can't run Mac apps on it. No, that was a rumor that eventually that would be a thing, but uh, not yet announced. No, no. I mean, I suspect it's likely to go the other way, that they might make it so that you could bring the screen of an iPad over into Vision OS. That'd be cool. Potentially, uh, which would be great, especially if people have multiple devices. Yeah. Um, and that means the headset would have to do less processing. Um, yeah, that, that was always the thing. Like, why would I want that? Because iPad apps can theoretically run there. But um, yeah, if it has less processing, then it could do more. Like, I don't know what the thresholds are for. Can I run ten apps simultaneously on Vision OS, and maybe not if they're? I don't know. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, it, it, it's an M2, so it, it should be fine. But the question, I mean, you've got to say the battery life has to be affected by how much work it's doing. So. Yeah, and like, um, I know when you look at an app, maybe it runs full power. Then when you're not looking, it's not fully running. How's that affect you trying to export a video in LumaFusion? Do you have to look at the entire time for that to stay open? Probably not. That would be weird. Yeah. Well, well, you have to do that on iOS, on iPad. <laughs> yeah, well, with LumaFusion, <laughs> it actually runs in the background now. I've tested this. Has, I can leave the they? stage, and LumaFusion keeps running. I'm not sure for how long, but definitely That's does take advantage of the RAM and, I think, some background rendering at this point. Final Cut in, that, does not. Yeah, no, no. Because, well, the Apple's official uh, AV export APIs say, and, and yeah. because we use them, we have the same issue. Yeah. Um, they uh, they say it will not carry on in the background. And yeah. It does automatically terminate. So maybe um, maybe LumaFusion are not using that as their encode pipeline. Yeah. Or and this stuff is less painful with Stage Manager because you can have like Windows on top of the backgrounded app, um, yeah. and it's still in the foreground technically. Yeah. Um, yeah, that so yeah. would be really nice. Um, I my underst- I always assumed that that limitation uh, of video exports in the background was related to the video export acceleration in the hardware mm. because they prob- probably can only do one at a time. That would make um, sense, yeah. Uh, um, but but I the Mac also yeah, has that so feature and they carry on just fine. <laughs> true, yeah. true. So yeah, it, it, yeah who knows? Um, maybe it's changed. I need to look into it. But yeah, like you say, Final Cut Pro still has that limitation. They put up a, a little uh, box, don't they, saying... Don't yeah, I'd encourage you to play yeah. around with LumaFusion. Because my memory is I could leave the stage mm. and it's just fine. I don't know if I could leave it for an hour or if it's five minutes or what the threshold is, but it is better than it oh. used to be. It used to be if Oh, I, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, do you, you mean you leave the stage as in you're just switching to a different uh, window in Stage Manager? No, I mean, I can go to a completely separate stage um, and it'll continue rendering. Um, okay. I remember before if I left, it would just, this is pre stage manager, but if I went to a different full screen app, it would just stop instantly. But now there yeah. is at least a little bit of a buffer. I don't know if it's five minutes or two minutes, but it doesn't instantly, uh, stop. <laughs> uh, that's a, it's super nerdy, but I'll, I'll have a look at that because it might be that I should know this, but in stage manager, it may be that your app doesn't actually go into the background. It's in the non-active state right uh, yeah so maybe it's maybe it's permitted um yeah yeah so um anything else about ipad before we move on to captionista your your app i don't think so uh, just recapping that it's um it's the simplicity i like even on uh, mac os i have now switched to stage manager i don't i don't want to be managing windows manually i have zero interest in that very cool um, yeah yeah um but you know in the past feature spaces never really worked for me 
you know, that's yeah. I love I love spaces. That was the the leopard feature. I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Back yeah. then, it was a true spaces because leopard was themed as like outer space. It was like such such a fun, <laughs> and delightful time in in the Mac. Yeah. Yes, it was. Time machines had this fun UI back then. Yeah, yeah, yes. I can't. Is is that completely gone now? I think it's less fun. <laughs> I okay. think you're no longer going in outer space no. to use time machine or whatever. Yeah, but then time machine is super buried these days as well. Yeah, and I I don't understand why it doesn't exist on iPad. I would love time machine iCloud. for iPad. Hook up an external hard drive. You know, have it sync to that. Back up to that. Yeah, because one of my challenges even, uh, is um it wants to back up all like one terabyte of my ipad to icloud and that's problematic uh, i'm running out of space because i have a, a lot of stuff stored in you know on my ipad and my backup's like 600 700 gigs and there's no way yeah. to time machine it or doing a yeah no but but it is surprising that they don't offer time machine for at least icloud files um, right you know they they'd have to include increase the storage right uh, yeah um that's another baffling thing why don't we have bigger it's been two terabytes forever like yeah yeah, yeah. what's that all about yeah <laughs> yeah it's 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 infuriating um yeah um because i don't share my cloud storage with my family i instead pay for another two terabytes that the rest of the family shares amongst themselves. So I have my own two terabytes and then everyone else shares two terabytes. Cause, um, uh, yeah. And I tried the thing of, yeah. um, I tried upgrading to the iCloud uh, or Apple one premium and, uh, it did not enable four terabytes as everyone else accounts does. Um, oh. something about me having like an iTunes media account and iCloud being separate. I don't know. Oh, that, but, that's weird. Um, yeah, I I didn't know that you can have the separate accounts like that. That's interesting. The yeah, you can choose to not share your iCloud storage, and then you can have a different family member buy like two terabytes that's shared amongst everyone else in the family. Ah, so that's a thing. Um, yeah. So if like if if a kid in your family, you know, has you know two terabytes, you could have them separately and using two terabytes, and you have your own two. Yeah. And yeah, then you can have some that's shared. It's interesting though. I'm just looking at my uh, my iPad, and it says we are only using as a family 740 gig of the two terabytes. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we're okay. But I, I uh, my photos library, the family photos library, is bigger than all of the space used by all the rest of the family. <laughs> yes, um, and that's going to be the growing concern. Uh, photos are just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. Um, yeah. So, um, Captionista, uh, give me the elevator pitch for what this app is and who it's for. We've kind of talked a bit about it already, but um, yeah, tell me about Captionista. Yeah, Captionista is built around getting more people to subtitle videos. Uh, videos are the primary way of communicating now in, in social media. It's where all the marketing really happens. Uh, it's the way you engage people. But it pains me so much to see people going to the effort of making video content or taking long clips out of longer form content and they throw it up without any attempt to subtitle it at all. Uh, and they don't realize that that is like sending someone uh, voice messages all the time and expecting them to listen to them all. Uh, and sorry to disappoint people, but nobody is looking at those videos. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if they, if they don't have the time or they don't have their audio on 
or they deaf or they're in a noisy environment they're just not gonna they're not gonna go with it uh, and then even when people do subtitle videos often it's tiny tiny text you can't read in the social feed mm-hmm. or um it's just very tasteless the contrast isn't enough the background hasn't got enough padding it and it looks bad um so there's all these missed opportunities here and that is that's because there's a lot to think about and most people think of captions and subtitles as an afterthought yeah so we made the app to make it easier to do that stuff quickly Mm. um and make less mistakes because there's nothing more demoralizing than uh spending a lot of time making video content which is time consuming and difficult uh, for many people anyway yeah um and then uh, posting it and finding um, that your subtitles get cropped off in the feed because you didn't think about the aspect ratio or the position of them and all these tricky things um, that you only learn by doing and it's painful. I've definitely posted before a, sub, a caption that had a typo in it that was just, oh crap, <laughs> I got to pull this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, there's that too. I mean, that's that's more difficult to uh, is, yeah. uh, protect against. because. There's yeah we're we're getting already going to get into the weeds now uh, with the subtitles but it's um, it is a process that takes time mm-hmm. if you want it to be good and yeah. this is uh, this is the thing that we're trying to uh, go for is to make it easier for you to get good results we can't do it all for you you have to review what you're posting right you have to yeah, yeah? and sometimes even when you review it you'll still make a mistake like you did that time yeah um, but there's a lot more that can be done because if you're just starting with a raw video most people don't even think about putting captions on it we already established that and some people go i'll just throw some ai captions on it i'll just tick that box and let that happen and then they just post it they don't review it and it says something terrible uh which is hopefully not too embarrassing but it could say some really bad stuff um so uh, and then you know you go to a level beyond that where you're actually reviewing it and you're using ai or you can go a level further where you're timing everything and you really want it to feel nice and look nice um of course that's the kind of a pyramid of uh of professionalism that gets uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and smaller and smaller as you get towards the top um but we're trying to get people in the middle of that really the people who care uh but don't necessarily know all the details and make it uh, simpler for them where did the idea for this app come from? Was it something you needed personally or um, someone you knew? Yeah. Um, no. Um, back, uh, I'm going to talk politics slightly here. Sure. Hopefully not <laughs> difficult. But uh, back in 2019, we had uh, an ill-fated general election in the UK. Yeah. Uh, where you know, the Brexit stuff happened and we ended up with a, a conservative government again. But at that time, I was helping the local Green Party, which is as it uh, implies the local kind of environment, the environmental and socialist party of England, mm-hmm. really the green, green party. Um, and the, the local uh, re- representatives of that party, uh, I was volunteering to help them with their social videos. Yeah. Uh, I said, because they, it was just at the time, actually 2019, just before COVID when selfie videos were starting to take off, sure. people were posting those as real. I, I'm not even sure reels existed just then. I don't think they did, but yeah. video posts did. Um, because TikTok wasn't really on the scene then. No, uh, not as usual. Um, so um, 
so pe- people are starting to do, do that and we had these uh like local politicians or volunteers out re- recording video which is difficult for them anyway you know it's it's not their natural environment um and then sending in these videos uh to be posted but they needed to be subtitled no one knew how to do it yeah you know 20, 2019 we didn't have all the ai options we have now no. um so i put my hand up and said i would i would do that i'd find a way uh, and I used a, a service online to do it manually. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it was expensive and it wasn't very good. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, but, uh, yeah, very I was doing, painful process. I did something similar for a local like election thing. And I was um, editing the video and using LumaFusion to manually put in title text as subtitles. Basically. Oh, wow. It was extremely oh, no. time consuming. <laughs> Oh, yes. you have my sympathy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Very time-consuming work to, to do it, yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and so I, w- I was manually transcribing. The videos were coming in with terrible audio recorded on a terrible phone yep. uh, in, a co- in a corner of a room full of people. Uh, the video was then transferred via WhatsApp to me in low resolution, low quality. <laughs> um, and uh, I had to transcribe it, um, you know, maximum volume, really trying to hear what is actually being said mm-hmm. um and that's the first time i've I'd ever really had to do that uh, so I, I learned a lot doing it um so once i got the tr- transcriptions you know you learn about all the um the mistakes people make the ums and ahs and the repetitions that you don't even notice yeah uh, and you and you start to think do you actually want to include that in the transcription yeah, like, or not yeah the subtitle i'm not gonna put um in that it seems weird. yeah yeah and the, and then he said that twice, but it was the same word. I'll just put it in once, right? Because it was, you know, it was a stumble. Um, but so there was the transcription part, and then the interface I was using was a web-based app, uh, which I won't name. Uh, but they um, it had an interface where you would type in one piece of text at a time, and you set a start and end time, and then you move to the next one. And that that sounds very reasonable, right? But if you've actually done that for video (laughs) for a lot of videos or videos of any length it is a terrible terrible way to do it because when you're transcribing you realize or so you're trying to split it into subtitles that read well on screen Mm -hmm. and that they break in places that make sense totally uh and and also if you are transcribing uh actual spoken content you want it to fit in quite well with the speech Mm -hmm. but if people have not thought about the uh uh, they've not thought about the pace at which they're speaking when they recorded it. Uh, that can actually give you real challenges because if you want to have a two-line subtitle style because you don't want to cover too much of the video right. uh, and they're, they're talking super quickly, now you've got a problem because you're breaking it very often and, and switching to a new subtitle before people can read it. Um, so then you have to dial back the text size or you have to break it in different places. And in an interface where you're doing it one subtitle at a time and setting start and end times, you have to then, if you want to re-break or re-wrap anything, you have to go back, change all the start and end times as well, proof it all. Um, it's uh, super, super hard work. It's yeah, a, um, very meticulous. Yeah. Yes, it's, um, yeah, and very time-consuming. Um, but of course, you know, it does, it does, it does depend on how much you care yes. about the results. Yeah, and but, for you know, some of them, I would have like emphasized words in yellow or whatever. Um. Yeah, yeah, that too. Um, yeah, so there's a, there's a whole lot going on there. Um, and it was a pretty painful process, and I did quite a few of them. Uh, and at the end of it, I thought there has to be a better way. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and that's how I uh, how I came up with the uh, idea for the mechanism, basically, of get your transcript, then watch the video, and tap the words when you want to split it into a subtitle. That was that's, that was the inspiration. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, which can sound obvious, but it's actually doing a whole bunch of things at once because you're you're splitting the text uh, at, a, at, a, at a time that looks reasonable to you, yep. but then also you're setting the timing as well in one action. Yeah. Um, uh, while also proofing it, uh, so it's a kind of a magical uh, layers of uh, of uh, work going on that you don't even realize once you understand how it works. Yeah. The um, the transcription. Is that totally manual? Have you played around with... I, I know there's a way for like live captioning to work with an iOS, but I'm not sure if you get that data to actually use as a starting point. Uh, yes, at the moment we are completely manual because okay. we focused on... on, on and it's controversial uh, in, to, in some ways. You know, yeah. A lot of people, they just expect AI. They won't consider it if it's not AI. Um, but in, uh, we wanted to get the interface for manual subtitling right first. Right. Um, Which will be because, the most accurate starting point for sure. Yes, if, if you proof your own typos yes. <laughs> well enough. Um, but um, but it also it enables you to title videos that don't have audio or mm. the, the audio is, um, is too noisy for it to be picked up well by AI. Uh, you know, the error rate's too high or people with uh, speech impediments or difficult accents language is not supported by your ai so the manual base of it is 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 uh, fundamental to it all yeah um and we have been experimenting with apple's uh tra- new improved transcription uh, uh code in uh, ios 17 we may do something with that we have mm-hmm. some ideas but key to that is how you handle the corrections because right. you will always have to correct it you always. know there's um yep. Even if you use one of these other services like Whisper, you know, a lot of people criticize Apple for not being at the forefront of the uh, AI stuff with uh, dictation and so on, but they are pretty good. Um, but you're always going to have to correct things and add punctuation. <laughs> you know, some, some of them add punctuation. Apple added uh, uh, some punctuation in iOS 17 now, um, but it's never going to capture it in a way a writer would. So... Again, it, it depends how much you care. So if, if we are going to have an AI transcription, we've got to be able to get in there and make small corrections quickly mm-hmm. um, so that it's not, it's not taking longer than not using the AI. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's the thing. I think a lot of the times people, I, I can understand it, people see transcribing, say, a minute of audio as quite a lot of work um, or, you know, a few minutes of it. Um, it's it's off-putting because you think I'm going to have to be listening there for minutes and typing away and correcting all my typos. Yeah. But if you do it with AI, you're still going to have to go back and check it. You and will. you're going to have to edit word by word. It depends what service you use and what the interface is for doing that. Yeah. But uh, I don't think any of them are particularly great at making uh, a whole lot of edits. Right. Uh, you know, you're going to be diving into lots of different bits of UI, click, at least clicking once, then typing the new word, and then getting out of that mode, clicking on something else. And then you've got to check it all again at the end. Yeah. Um, so I, I think in total, you probably use the same amount of time, but, uh, but maybe you don't feel like you had to do so much work. Yes, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is valid, yeah. um, but yeah. Um, but, you know, we want support for languages. And the other, the other thing is, I, I trust Apple. 
Apple have some limits on apparently on how lo- uh, the length of audio that you can transcribe, mm-hmm. but they do have the benefit of the on-device transcription, which isn't as good, but never leaves your device. And that's another thing we wanted to do is we don't need any network services for you to subtitle your videos. So if you're in a Mm -hmm. bunker in the Ukraine and you're a journalist, you can actually subtitle a video, (laughs) even if you don't have internet and you go somewhere where you have internet and you post it. Right. Um, So, um, so there is that. um, But we don't have any control over the results because we don't make the AI service. So, I, I, I don't feel very happy selling a product and taking a subscription from people where I can't control the quality of that mm-hmm. output. Yeah. Uh, so that was uh, my reticence uh, initially as well. That was a big part of it. But with Apple's, we may, we may do something, but yeah. we want to do something that's really good uh, gotcha. if we do it at all. That makes sense, yeah. And yeah. then do you have a way of knowing where these videos end up? Like, do you know is TikTok or YouTube Shorts a huge part of where your users are posting these or do you hear from your users and, you know, our, our companies, yeah. you know, subscribing and using this app? Yeah. Uh, we hear a little bit from users. Um, you know, we've got quite a small user base at the moment, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do hear from some uh, uh, quite active users and it seems to be primarily Reels and TikTok. Okay. Um, but it, initially when we uh, released the app, we had quite a lot of interest from pro video editors who use Macs. Yeah, they liked it, but I said, oh, but I, you know, it's not going to fit into my workflow because it's not on the Mac. Yeah. Um, so, so we may look at doing that. But again, it's a different, it's a different ball game uh, because the UI is being designed to be very good for a mobile experience. Right. You know, it's a touch, ba- touch-based experience. Um, and it's not necessarily going to work for a half-hour video, yeah. uh, you know, that you're, that you're putting together on desktop. But it would be a lot better than Final Cut Pro's <laughs> approach. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, we may yet do that, but we have to do things like: do we do Catalyst or not? And do we uh, how, the, how does the file management work? Is that going to be good enough if it's Catalyst and so on? And as far as like we talked earlier about subtitles, can add a real style to your video depending on how you display it. How how in depth do you go with you know? letting people create their style is there a way to save your your like templates of like this this is my color scheme and font style that i love and want to return to that for this series of videos and maybe i have a different series of videos i want a different style for that yeah we we have loads uh, of options around that and um for free users so anybody can use captionista for free and they get uh a watermarker on the exports, which is very common among apps, mm-hmm. uh, and they can use any of the predefined themes and color schemes that we provide. So, if you then want to customize the style further, you need a, a pro subscription. Okay. Um, but uh, pro subscription also gets you saved custom themes, so nice. you can create your theme for your brand or your, mm-hmm. or your particular social media marketing client, uh, and, and rack those up and get consistency in what you're producing that way. Um, because of course it's not just the styling um, our styling includes all the f- font and text settings you'd imagine shadows and outlines and colors but we have a bunch of um, uh, background styles so you can have a tiktok style uh, rounded rectangles mm-hmm. that follow the text or you can have the uh, real style bubbles um, or you can have you know gradients at the bottom like you'd see in a movie a whole bunch of things like that where you're not having to drag rectangles around or anything like that. We have these 
different templates of these backgrounds styles that are common and you just choose the one you want um and then we also have the uh, insets like the safe area insets so mm -hmm. if you want to make sure the text can be seen you need to restrict which part of the video it's in uh, so all of these come together and are saved in your custom themes yeah that's cool um and then with the watermark is with the pro users or the paid users could you replace that so you don't have a watermark with the pro but could you put your own watermark and like brand it or is that a, a tool for doing that part of the branding within final cut or LumaFusion? that may be a feature that's quite high on our roadmap okay okay yeah so let's <laughs> just think about the yeah some people probably yeah. do want their logo on the corner of their video perhaps you know yeah i mean in tv that's called uh the bug often yes. you know you have it, the the logo on your screen you know you'll you can have it as an ipad pro tv yes. logo up in the corner um yeah i mean that is certainly something we have planned the uh, watermark is just there at the moment because we had to do something uh to prevent the free use yeah <laughs> or to rather to facilitate free use because right. we it's very important to us we want we want people to subtitle more videos yeah even if they never pay us any money because for all the reasons accessibility um campaigning on climate you know all these kind of things we use videos to do that and if they don't have the text we're we're missing a large percentage of the audience. Yeah. Um, it's a brilliant so thing. It's advertising for you. It lets them use the app pretty much fully to learn how this app works. And if they do want to pay, they, yep. they're, they're, you know, very well versed at this app at that point. So you probably don't get, exactly. yeah, you yeah. probably don't get refund requests because they already know what this app is. And it's like, Oh, this is great. I, I know how to use it already. Let me, let me pay for it. No, exactly. You still get a few one star reviews. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something, uh, this is not on our list, but something I was just thinking about is um, Apple Vision Pro. We don't, uh, I don't think, fully have the specs of 3D video rendering and stuff. Uh, I love future captionista of like optimized for Apple Vision Pro. The subtitles might be, the captions might be like 3D a little bit. I don't know if that's something you've even thought about the future of like 3D rendered videos for these headsets in the future. Yeah, I'm, I, I've certainly been thinking about it. It's interesting. Uh, again, uh, uh, I think we touched on this earlier. The captioning or, or subtitles, uh, the term means different things depending on who you talk to. But there's a whole range of utility from just getting your message across to everyone through to accessibility. You know, there's all this stuff in between. Uh, so on an accessibility basis, you would imagine closed captioning which we spoke about earlier, mm -hmm. that can be customized by the accessibility user, that would probably not do too much fancy with 3D. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, but they might have the option to bring it out of the video, right. for example, to make it, might make it easier for them to see. Yeah. Um, but in terms of more kind of social video captioning, like you, know, you would in a TikTok video, for example, mm -hmm. That could be really interesting. You could m move things around in 3D over time, but it all hinges on what are social networks going to look like with 3D video. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, there's you no standard yet. And Apple, I think, has their own different standard for <laughs> 3D videos yeah. and what's even supported there. So it'll be curious to and, see how that evolves. And Yeah. And will we, will we somehow be able to watch 3D video on iPads and iPhones in future? If not, how do we edit them? Right. <laughs> and, and that's going to be interesting. Um, but it, yeah, if they supported it, and I mean, 
Instagram, TikTok, they haven't exactly done native apps for iPad, have they? <laughs> They're no, very good. Definitely not. <laughs> um, so I. I imagine they may not do that for Vision OS either. Yeah, but, you know, Safari, I imagine, would be able to display 3D videos, hopefully. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It would be very cool. Yeah. Um, the actual caption sync, uh, describe it a little bit more. You, you mentioned tapping on, on words as they, they're showing up. And, um, what, what's that experience like? Okay, so the the workflow in Captionista is... is essentially three step the first screen you see is the script screen and that's where you put the text in um uh, you type it in and or maybe you've actually used some other ai service to transcribe it sure and you can even hold in. up your you can, iphone you next can, to your ipad and use like drafts dictation yeah. and just like see how yeah. well that does for a first pass yeah you can do that or you can press the dictation key and just talk to it whatever yeah. um so you get your text in there, and then you you press uh, the button to move to the next screen, which is the timeline. Mm-hmm. And here we show initially the full script uh, as a, like a card on screen. And what you do is you press play, and you listen to or watch the video. Mm-hmm. You, you may not have audio on the video. You might just be titling something that is uh, silent. Yeah. Um, and so uh, you, you play the video, and you look at the text, and when you want to split it into a new subtitle, you just tap the word where you want to split it at the time in the video when you want to split. Yeah. So then you end up with two cards on screen and then you just keep uh, oh, going through yeah, this process. Yeah. So it, keep, it keeps playing now and you're in the second subtitle uh, and maybe it's 10 lines long and there's only two lines that uh, can fit on the video right. because that's how you've set, set the style. Yeah. So it shows, it shows you the bottom half shaded out to show that it's too big. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know that. And you just have to choose again the word where you want to split it and at the right time. Um, and what you can do is once you've gone through that process, if you want to tweak the timings, uh, you just let it play. And when it gets to the subtitle you want to adjust, uh, there's a start time and an end time button. And you mm-hmm. just tap them at the time you want it to start or end. Uh, nice. And if you if you tap the end button, you make the subtitle shorter, which means you've actually created a gap. Yeah. Um, between it and the next subtitle and it works vice versa for the start time as well so you can create gaps between subtitles that way but all you're doing is playing the video and tapping on words or start and end time buttons there's no fiddling around with time sliders or dragging things on timelines it's much much easier and faster yeah. once you understand how it works that that has been mm-hmm. our challenge so far have you played around with a way of so you have these cards a way of having these like sub cards where it like emphasizes a word as it's spoken uh, this would be a lot of timing data uh, you know tapping you know pretty much every second as a different word is spoken and having a way to have these bigger cards for all the subtitles and like you know grow or you know change a color when it, the word's spoken or something like that it's interesting it's it's something we have been looking at because it does tie into the ai transcription story mm-hmm. because you you get per word timings for that right uh, and you'll notice that most ai based video transcription services and even um uh probably for the same similar reasons the closed captioning on say twitter uh rest in peace yes um, <laughs> um uh, uh they should they use a style uh of subtitling that is animated that tends to show one word at a time and then it scrolls up a bit and then it shows you more. Um, so you can, with that information, you can do that, but there's an argument that that's for legibility. That's not necessarily great. And again, this comes back to if, if you are subtitling a video to match the speech, the person's speaking rate 
actually determines your reading rate, <laughs> yes, which exactly. is a, which is a pretty twisted situation if you've got someone who speaks as quickly uh, as, as say I have at some points in this, in this yes. podcast. Um, so it, it, it's tricky and it's not necessarily the best. You know, you may need more time to read it. Um, so if if you show things um, to say two three lines at a time, that can give people more time to scan it. Yeah, uh, yeah it's funny because there is like. In, with some captioning, am I, you're reading it actively, and sometimes it's more like peripheral vision. It, it helps you be more aware as you're listening yeah. to what's going on, and that's a very yeah. different experience for sure. Yeah, yeah. and there are, there's an app out there, isn't there? I can't remember what it's called. Is it Blink or something there where um, it will re- read stuff to you by showing it one word at a time quickly? Yes, that's uh, right. You yeah. can... Um, I can't remember if that's what it was called. So yeah, that's clearly for some people that also works. Um, so yeah, it's something we can do. I mean, you can do it right now because you can put the video into slow mode when recording mm-hmm. and just tap on each word if you yeah. want to. And it just splits because uh, it's essentially no cost to creating a subtitle, unlike these right. older systems where you have to create one at a time and adjust everything. Yeah. Um, so you will get a lot of scrolling happening in the UI. Yes. <laughs> um, but yes, it is. It is interesting. We could allow you to time individual words even manually within a mm-hmm. card, yeah. If you wanted to have that one word at a time appearance, so right? It's certainly certainly something we will continue to look at. Yeah. So, um, version one point five just came out uh, pretty recently. Here, what are some of the big additions uh, for the app? Yeah, uh, we added uh, four major features, really. Um, we added some color trends. So I, I didn't explain that properly uh, previously uh, mm-hmm. talking about style. We have these set themes. We've got um, subtitles and um, captions. And we, you, in our terms, we're saying captions are the more fun kind of creative yeah. uh, styles um, that are not so much focused on accessibility or, or being serious. Um, but then you can choose one of those style uh, themes and then in the colors. Uh, tab you can actually choose one of dozens of color schemes we provide which are combinations of background and foreground colors with sufficient contrast to always be legible Mm -hmm. Um, and they adapt to the back to the theme that you've chosen so if you've got a background style that is a solid bar at the bottom it'll use that background color from there but if you use one that uh, doesn't have a background but has a shadow on the text it'll use the background color as the shadow Mm -hmm. and and things like that so you have these dozens of uh, permutations of each theme in color terms anyway but we added color trends so we're going to have seasonal uh, sets of these color schemes now that you'll be able to use so at the moment we've got some nice fresh greens and bright yellows and reds um, and we'll be changing that uh, two three times a year uh, on top of the standard color schemes we provide okay uh, so that's one of the big features. Um, obviously, appeals more to people who are doing social media posts, you know, the kind of more fun posts on mm-hmm. TikTok and, and Reels. Um, we also added uh, SRT export. So that's more for pros, really, who want the closed captioning experience for accessibility. Yeah. Um, or you don't want to subtitle with Captionista. You're just using it to get the timings of, and the splits of the words. Right. And then you can, you can upload that SRT file to YouTube or Twitter alongside your video file and then use the built-in closed captioning of the, uh, of the, of the device the user's using. Yeah, yeah, and apps like so, DLC, uh, I think you can import that if you're just using it locally on your iPad. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, 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 test, I tested with VLC, in fact, on, on my Mac. That's a, a tester feature there. Um, we also added um, uh, Freestyle, which is one of the, the bigger feature, really, where we allow you to do those TikTok and real style adjustments to each subtitle. So you can just drag it across the screen, rotate it, change its size, yeah. make it a bit more fun. Um, uh, and what's interesting for us about that is that we expect you to have split the subtitles already mm-hmm. and then you go into um, the freestyle mode and then you can just flick between the subtitles very quickly and just move them all move around, them around how you like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereas doing that in the native apps for, say, TikTok and Reels is actually quite painful to do those kinds of changes over time. Do you have a way of growing a card over that, um, that time when it... So say you have a, a new subtitle come up, you can have it start at one size and end at a different size. Is that something you've looked at? Uh, we are looking at things like that at the moment. Again, we're stuck to the basics. We don't have animation of the subtitles. Yep. You know, again, it's that, it's that continuum between caption subtitles and titling. Yes. It's, a, it's this fuzzy, fuzzy yeah. world. Um, but we'd love to do stuff like that. We do have plans for some animations already. Uh, you know, one of the things we uh, did, we will be tackling soon is animating the backgrounds mm. um uh, at the moment the backgrounds are either always there or they're not yeah uh but we can be smarter about that so if there's a gap between two subtitles that's not too long we'll keep we'll plan to keep the background there for a while yeah uh you know without any text over it and then if there's a big gap we'll let it fade out right you know, it's that that kind of thing not there yet but yes we'll do things nice. like that and once we've done once we've tackled that we'll be able to uh do animations on sizes and things like that very cool and then um i believe the apple pencil uh with m2 ipads have this hover ability oh, so and, yes, and uh, yes that's the other <laughs> yeah and, and then the uh, trackpads are also now supported for uh yeah we're this is um in in 1.5 uh can you kind of explain um the hover and where this kind of applies for in the app yeah, and we, we had some very basic hover support on some of the buttons in the previous releases, but we went to town on it uh, properly now. Um, I find hover with the pencil and trackpad on iPad very interesting because it actually helps with discoverability. Because I, I mentioned, say, in the timeline screen, on a subtitle card, we have the start and end buttons uh, for the start and end time. Yeah. But we know uh, from our users, on, on iPhone at least, a lot of people don't realize that that's a button. Uh, whereas on ipad it's very obvious because if you move over it it lifts up um but then also we um we amended the timeline so when you see the subtitle cards and you move the cursor or the pencil over the words to split subtitles it shows you exactly which word will be split and it puts a little cursor there to show you uh that it will split before that word um so it's very very clear how it works uh, you know we i know i'm sure we have a few people who come into this view and despite the instruction text we have at the top they press play on a video and they're tapping words and it's splitting and doing all kinds of stuff they don't understand what's going on um it's one of the the challenges so it's great for discoverability um uh, and it, it feels really nice and actually we recorded a video to uh to show this which we just posted a couple of days ago to show the hover of the m2 pencil um uh, showing this highlight cursor but doing that I, I felt like it wasn't good enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I've actually, uh, there will be a point release that fixes a couple of bugs in 1.5, but also uh, we are 
vastly improving that hover um, effect. Uh, so the actual word underneath the pencil will also highlight, not just the uh, cur- it won't just show the cursor where the split will happen because it's. Oh, nice. uh, it can it can be a bit discombobulating, but it's actually been quite challenging to get right. Yeah, uh, it was again. It was one of those things. I thought oh, I'll just fix that because that's not good, that's not good enough. Yeah, and then a, d- a day or two later, I'm thinking, wow, okay, yeah. <laughs> there's quite a lot more to do. Um, but yeah, so hopefully in a few days we'll have that done. Yeah, the Apple Pencil hover is a very cool thing. I wish the M1 had it. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's not something that I'm going to rush out and upgrade my iPad for, but it is cool when I eventually get another iPad that it'll be there. Yeah, I'd have to ask my uh, 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 business partner who uh, helps with the design of the app. He is an illustrator, so he lives on his iPad, yeah. and he has an M- M- he has an M2, uh, so he does all that testing for me with the pencil. Very cool. Um, any other ways the app shines on iPad versus using it on the iPhone? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we did obviously focus on iPhone because as far as we can tell, most social media marketers, they're using iPhones. They're just throwing content out yeah, all the time. Right. Um, but we wanted to do a really good job on iPad. Um, and one of the great things is the video is always large because we have this split screen display with the video on the left and the script or the timeline, depending on what mode you're in, on the right. So you can see everything nice and large, even if it's a portrait video, for example, it will fill the space nicely. Yeah. Um, and you can see the subtitles overlaid. You can read them easily at any size, really. Um, whereas on an iPhone, you can end with a portrait video, especially uh, the video player is at the top, then the editing is at the bottom. So you can end up with a very small thumbnail at the top for a portrait video, yeah. which is what... Which is why we did introduce the full screen zoom option in this release as well. Mm. But really, that that shines on iPhone. But on iPad, it shines already because you have this nice big display. Um, yeah, and uh, and also the on the on the iPad, you can have that workflow to go from. I mean, it's new really for Final Cut because LumaFusion is, is there mm-hmm. on the iPhone already. But right. at least on I, iPad, going from Final Cut into Captionista to uh, title of video is great. Yeah, because you can just export right from Final Cut into in the caption used to um, and just work. I will it. add a little. Yeah. I will add a little caveat there mm-hmm. for the listeners. Version one point five in the App Store does have a little bug in it where if you share from Final Cut into Captionista, it doesn't import it. Uh, that is fixed in one point five point one, which will be available soon. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and hopefully it is out by the time um, this episode goes up because there will be a bit of a delay here. Uh, so yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, any kind of like ideas you have going forward? We've talked a bit on some of the ideas you have for other features you want to bring to the app one day. Anything else worth sharing of, of just ideas that you have uh, for future updates? Yeah, we have so much. Uh, the challenge we have is uh, we're still trying to find what they call, you know, product market fit. We're trying to find where most of our users are to decide what to do next. But we have a, a lot of ideas, things around multi-voice uh, transcripts, um, you know, uh, things you, you've mentioned to me about uh, highlighting individual words, potentially, you know, per subtitle styling changes. Uh, you know, at the moment, the style is consistent through all the subtitles. Yeah. But obviously, we would, we would look to uh, enable more flexibility around that. Um, there's more closed captioning formats which would be good to feature there are a whole bunch of different broadcast standard formats which maybe would be useful Um, 
We would like to improve the project creation. At the moment, when you create a project, you're then prompted to import a video from photos, mm-hmm. and then uh, the, you, then the work begins from there. We'd like to uh, streamline that flow so that you, you go into an empty project and then you can choose where your video comes from or replace it and maybe tell us what the video's for because then we can do other things to help you along the way if yeah, we know so what you're trying to you achieve. TikTok versus that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, we uh, something we didn't mention is that um, one of the unique features we have is, we call pre-flight check where you tap on the icon uh, on the video and we show you the resolution, the duration, and then we show you a whole bunch of warnings, if necessary, per social network about duration issues. You know, you can have it too long to include in a reel, for example, or on a story. Um, we show resolution issues. If it's if someone sent you a like those old Green Party videos I used to get, yeah, which yeah. are 400 pixels square from WhatsApp, you know, it's going to warn you that that's going to suck. Um, And then when you you export, we offer to automatically upscale it to HD so the text at least looks good. Oh, nice. Because... Yeah, if we if we draw the text over a low resolution video, it's going to look terrible. Yes. Um, So so yeah, there's this whole uh, connection of trying to solve problems for you before they happen. Unfortunately, we can't solve your video content issues all the time. Um, But yeah, so so more on that. So if we know more about what the user is trying to do with the project, we can do an even better job of that. Yeah, the multi-person thing is pretty cool where you have different colors for different people or something like that. Yeah, we got a a lot of interesting ideas about that. We could do a super good job of it, but I've got to try to work out where's the right place to uh, spend our time because... I, there's a few things in the app where I've spent way too much time on things people will not notice. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything we haven't covered that you'd like to before you wrap it up? Uh, I don't, um, yes, I mean, well, there's one thing. I'd, you know, p- part of this, uh, yeah, two things actually. Uh, one is we give away free copies, uh, free licenses for the pro to anybody who is working in. Uh, certain fields of uh, campaigning or journalism Uh, uh, we do this all the time people just have to get in touch with us Um, we'd love to have more take up of this Uh, so we have a page on our our website that people can see um, uh, um, it's called activism there's a page uh, link there you just go to Mm -hmm. that on the captionista.app uh, and it explains the kind of things we want to try to help, you know, especially climate change all this kind of thing yeah, uh, uh, gender equality and so on um but um, then separately, there's the whole accessibility story, um, accessibility of open captions burned into the video is 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 better than no captions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Clo- closed captions and burned in captions give you the best of both worlds. And we yeah. now support that in 1.5. But what uh, specifically wanted to say is that the app itself, uh, I'm afraid to say, is not particularly accessible currently okay. um, because... And I feel very strongly about that, but it's something that is very difficult for me to deal with at the moment. <laughs> because, because, yeah, yeah, you're clicking on text. Like, if someone's not visually there, yeah. you're, you're having voiceover read each word and you're trying to click on, on it as you're playing live. Yeah. That seems a challenging thing to, yeah. to deal with. Yeah, yes. And in the whole gamut of accessibility, not just voiceover. So, you know, it's um, uh, physical interaction issues, um, hearing issues sight issues it's a strange thing if you're going to subtitle a video you need 
quite a lot of senses um so there's a somewhat intractable intractable problems in some situations but we could certainly do better um and it's going to take some time but uh that it i think for a lot of users i'll be able to create a better interface for manual subtitling than you would normally get uh but it's gonna it's gonna be tough yeah do you have options um i forget if you have options to make the text bigger um as you're you separating them into cards, um, are you able to make that pretty big if people have issues with just like reading? Oh, yes. Oh, so, well, that's actually another benefit of the iPad version uh, because we fill uh, full 50% of the screen with the timeline view. Um, and we show, we have a WYSIWYG view of the subtitles basically that you tap on. Yep. So uh, it will fill the available space there. Nice. Uh, so they're already they're very big tap targets already Good. and very yeah. easy to that read usually definitely a helpful thing for accessibility um, yeah i mean uh, in many cases they couldn't be bigger yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah well um where can people find more information about um captionista okay well captionista's website is at captionista that uh, c-a-p-t-i-o-n-i-s-t-a dot app and uh, you could search uh, the app store for it. Uh, I had someone tell me they were doing that the other day and it was showing no results. <laughs> that is, that is app store search for you sometimes. Yes, other, other high profile apps have had that. Uh, but yeah, um, that's the way you can find it. We have loads of information. We have, um, help, uh, stuff up there as well. We've got a, a community page, the activism page. Um, uh, yeah. And that's the best way to find us. A uh, caption Easter app on TikTok, on Instagram as well. Uh, and Twitter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uncertain about saying that now, but we are also on threads. So. Yeah. <laughs> actually, actually, I'm gonna, no, we're not quite. Yes. Not <laughs> Do yet. you have a way of searching the, um, I don't know, with TikTok, can, is there a way to search for um, Captionista, um, the watermarks where you could like repost those in any simple way? Or not really? I wish. Yeah, I, that'd be nice. I wish, no. Yeah, if people mention us or let us know, we'll happily repost anything uh, as long as it's right, not family uh, friendly. Yes, <laughs> non-objectional yeah. things. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and yes, and doesn't uh, conflict with our uh, activism yeah. <laughs> policy as well. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, um, we'd hap- we happily do that. Yeah. Um, and it's nice. We we see some users do that. It's uh, yeah, it's really nice when that happens. Yeah. Um, where can people, folks find you on the interwebs? My personal uh, social presence is Mark Palmer Dev at Instagram and Twitter. Uh, that's Mark with a C. And on Mastodon, I'm at Mark Palmer at iosdev.space. Very cool. And yeah, it used to be so Mark much easier. We just had the, the one monopoly, you know. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> too much now. It's I all know. This stuff. Well, well, thank you, Mark. I really appreciate your time. This has been a great chat. Yeah, thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure to talk to somebody about something that's turned out to be quite in, um, quite important to me <laughs> through the process. Yes. Well, that has been a discussion with Mark. My thanks to Mark for his time recording this episode, and my thanks to you for your time and attention tuning in. As a reminder, you can support this podcast and the Vision Pros podcast over at patreon.com slash iPadPros or by subscribing in Apple Podcasts. With that said, I'll talk to everyone again real soon.